Aloha and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph continues in Ephesians chapter 2 with a message entitled, God in Us. This is part two. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. The next part of the scripture says, we are God's house. Verse 20 says, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. First Peter says, you are like living stones being built together into a house where God dwells. Each of us is like a brick in the house of God or a block or a piece of sandstone or something. And the mortar that holds us together is love. The Lord said, love the Lord with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's when you begin to love that you start to enter into everything. Uh, There's a corollary here, folks. We're members of the house of God. Read the verse. We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. It says the apostles and the prophets are the foundation. The word of God is the coach. The things that that have been said and done before us, the examples of scripture. If you look at scripture, scripture is, is, is not meant to be as systematic as we make it. It's mostly meant to be the stories of God working in people's lives. And we'll pick up on that's how God works and we'll learn from it and we'll live that way too. Does that make sense to you? And we want to make doctrine and make all these systems out of it. And, and if, you, if you look at it from the Hebrew mind, that's not the way they thought. It's just be, act like these people. Interact with God like these people. That's what God wants of you. And, and then it says that Jesus is the cornerstone. In ancient days, they didn't have the tools that we have today. You know, I, I was at Home Depot the other day. I mean, I, I, I can't believe technology. I, you, you can go to Home Depot and you can buy a, a, a little thing that, that will measure distance, and it's a laser. It's the kind of stuff that NASA was making 15 years ago. Now is at Home Depot. I bought a new cell phone the other day. It's got a Palm Pilot in it, and I found out it's got GPS in it. If, I'm, if I dial 911, they know exactly where I'm at on the planet. <laughs> I mean, just 10, 15 years ago, GPS was something that only the U.S. military had. Nobody else in the world had this stuff. It, the, the technology just keeps coming down the pipe. It's just amazing what's going on. But you go back 2,000 years ago, and how did in the world did you build a building and have it come out straight and square? You had a craftsman who had an eye for it and who could take a block of stone and make every angle, every cut on it be a 90-degree difference from every other face. And, and you would lay this at the corner of a building and then you'd run a piece of string from a stake so that the string was touching just the side of that stone. And then you'd run it out to wherever you wanted the end of the building to be. And then you'd take all your irregular uh, chunks of, of cut out stone and, and, and lumpy bumpy as they are, you'd line them up along that string and you'd do this four times and you have a building that was absolutely square and the roof would stay on. Now, this is the church, folks. We're the, we're the stones, lumpy, bumpy, broken, cracked, flawed, whatever. 
But Jesus is the cornerstone and the foundation is the apostles and the prophets. And if we can get that through our head, then all the heritage of all the saints down through history. I've been into listening into into CDs of, of the ancient hymns of the church. And sometimes I almost feel the presence of these people with me. You know, it's just, it's amazing what God has done through history. And we're a part of that. We're in the family of God. And when we begin to accept that, that's who we are, stuff starts to happen. And, and, and good stuff it is that goes on in our life. Well, let's try to bring this thing to a close. It says we are God's temple. And that's a picture of somebody's version of the tabernacle that Moses built in the wilderness. And, and near, as, near as they could get out of reading the Bible, uh, that's somebody's kind of a model of the thing. But it, it talks about us being joined together as a holy temple. The tabernacle was the temple before they made one out of stone. Verse 21, we who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, your body is a temple of the Lord. It says, through him, you Gentiles, or all of us, are joined together as part of this dwelling where God lives, how? By his spirit. Now here comes the mystery of godliness. I want to I point out to two things and we'll get out of here. One, it says, we who believe are carefully joined together. Now, you can't be carefully joined together if you're not joined together. You can't be carefully joined together to God and his family if you don't spend time with each other. This is why we got like about 200 groups around here. We got mini churches. We got... The, um, the, the groups that Patience runs, the Gateways groups. We've got groups that we call power teams where you get three guys together and you, you, you agree to read the same scripture throughout the week and then get back together and just talk about what's God saying. And, and then you, if you've got needs in your life, you pray and, and there's no women involved. So you can say the real stuff, you know. Um, ladies are doing the same. And if you're, not, if you're not plugged in someplace, you're not plugged in. So this business of being carefully joined together is an important thing, and, and we need to recognize it. And, and, and honestly, I, I always like to say that if, 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 you're not, if you're not joined together with brothers and sisters, you're not really in the church. I mean, you're just coming and watching. You're not really getting it. And I want you to turn with me. You could write this down there if, if you want, where it talks about being joined together, but to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It's just a couple pages past here. And it describes leadership in the church and, and the purpose, the function of leadership in the church as joining us all together into one and bringing us to maturity in Christ. It says, he, Jesus, is the one who gave these gifts to the church. And they're kind of like coaches. The apostles, which is people who start churches. They move to another locale to start a church. You could say, I am an apostle from Hermosa Beach, California, sent to Kaneohe, Hawaii to start this church. This is an apostolic church in that we keep sending guys out to start churches. We're doing what I think every church is supposed to do, and most don't. The second thing is the prophets. Prophets are simply people who speak a message from God to another person. If there's somebody in your life and they're about to fall off a cliff by doing something stupid with their finances or get into some terrible relationship or they're in a terrible relationship and you feel God tells you to get them out of it, somebody beating up on them or something, and you share those words, you actually functioned as a prophet. Now, nobody may call you, oh, there's that prophet, you know. But you actually did the thing that God wanted you to do. And I, see, I think we've got to get off the names and the titles and all that. That doesn't mean a hoot. What we've got to get into is doing the stuff. 
And it talks about people who are evangelists, and that's people who, though we're all called to share our faith with people, people who are just very good at it and tend to bring a lot of people to the Lord. Uh, there are pastors, and I'm not one, and there are teachers. Pastors are people who are very merciful, who spend a lot of time with people, who like to reach into people's lives and look after people. I, I'm, if if you've got to have compassion to be a pastor, I am not one. If my giftings, if I look at this list, I, I'm probably first a teacher. You know, is it left brain that's supposed to be logical and all that, and right brain's touchy-feely? Well, I'm the most left brain person in the world, and I want to make everything into science. And when we're sitting here talking about worldview and all that, it's always been a struggle for me to get to the place where I'm, I'm closer to the, to the sensitivity of the things of the Lord, I, and I want to be there. But I'm, I'm a teacher more than anything else. The second thing that, that I probably am is a prophet. There's a lot of times that I get a word that the Lord just told me to say something. So I mean, I just say it. Third thing that I do a lot is I'm an apostle. But I'll tell you what I am not as a pastor. I am not your pastor. When I was in California and we started planting churches, we got up to about 15 churches. Somebody thought it was really cute to come and say, oh, that Ralph's the Pope of Hope. Man, I hated that. I just hated that. And they would always harass me with that. And so I moved over here, and we were, we were at Kapunahala Elementary School, where we, where we operated for one year. Uh, we started there about six months in. So we were, we were a church more than six months, less than 18 months old. And I, I began to, to look at mini church and what we're doing in mini church and realize that the mini church pastor is really your pastor. If you're in mini church, that's the guy who's there, and it's doable. See, you know, they were talking about Rob McWilliams. They called him at 1.30 in the morning. Well, don't call me at 1.30 in the morning. Because <laughs> there's about 3,000 people that say that this is their church. If they all start calling me at 1.30 in the morning, I'm going to die. <laughs> but if, there's, if you're in a mini church and there's, there's 10 people and you've got to call somebody at 1.30 in the morning, that guy's probably not going to mind too much because he's going to get one of those calls about every three years. And he can pastor you. So one day then, I, it dawned on me, I really am the Pope of Hope. <laughs> if the mini church guy is your pastor, then I'm the Pope. <laughs> and I want you to think of a couple of things as you walk out here today. I want you to think of that picture of Yankee Stadium and realize it's not about a stadium at all. It's about a team. It's about people who love each other, who, who respond well together. And I want you to think about us that way. I want you to come out of here thinking about me as the Pope of Hope because that will redefine church in your mind. And you realize that the church is what Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in their presence. And the person who's the leader of that is, is, is the person who functions as the pastor, whether he's called that or not. You know, you put any two, two people together in a room, one will be a leader, the other will be the follower. It's just that way. And, and, and but now watch this. The pastor's job is not to meet everybody's needs. He goes on and says this. Their responsibility, these leaders, these coaches, verse 12, is to do this. One, equip God's people to do his work. The first role of a pastor or a teacher or of an evangelist or an apostle of anybody else is to help you learn to do the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do through your life. Whatever they are, to do the stuff. 
to get to a place where we get out of this entirely materialistic worldview, we get to a point that God knows our phone number and that, and that we're listening, we're answering, and we're doing the stuff that he asks us to do. And my job and the job of every leader in this church is to help equip you to do the things that God wants for you to do in, in your life. And then it goes on and it says the second thing to do is build up the church, the body of Christ. Now that sounds immediately like make it grow larger, but it, that'll happen as a, as a secondary thing. But what, their job is to equip people and build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith. This is the issue. Unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. The job of your pastor, the job of teachers, the job of apostles, evangelists, prophets is to, is to help you to learn to do the things that God's whispering in your ear to do and to bring you to a place of unity in the faith, loving each other in the faith and growing up to maturity in Christ. So we start to come to the full stature of Christ and the stuff that Jesus was experiencing in relation to the Father, we're experiencing in relation to the Father. And if you remember, Jesus said, I never do anything except I hear my Father say it. I never do anything except I see in the spirit my father trying to do it. And, and God's trying to build us now into this mystical union with him where we're growing to maturity in our walk with God, in our faith. And that's the thing. We're in the family. We may be a baby in the family, but we're growing up in the family. We're doing the things that God wants us to do. Am I making any sense at all here? Okay, let's go just a little further. Go back to Ephesians 2 and then we're going to go to... One more place and we'll get out of here. It says, through him, verse 22, you Gentiles, you all of us, are also joined together as part of this dwelling, this, this house of God, this place where there's no room for class distinction or race distinction or who's got money and who doesn't or who's got education. We're all one. We're all joined together in this place where God lives by his spirit. God lives in us by his spirit. If, there, if, there, if that statement wasn't true, I would quit my job right now. There is absolutely no sense in, in trying to build a morality Sunday society that meets on Sunday mornings where you all sit around and, and somebody scolds you and tells you how to that you better live a better life. That is, that, is, that, is, that is stupidity to the nth degree because it's not in human nature to do the kind of thing that we think religion does. And that's to somehow make ill people into good people. What this is all about is, is us getting into touch with the Holy Spirit of God who can communicate with us and who has got the power to overcome the deficit, whatever it is in our life. If there's healing that you need, if there's healing in your relationships that you need, if it's your temper that needs to get under control, if it's some place where Satan's got a hold of you in some addiction and God needs to throw some demon out of your life, whatever it is, it's the work of the Holy Spirit and us being filled with the Spirit that this is all about. And if you take this out of it, it's just a bunch of, of gobbledygook. It won't do any good at all. Am I, am I getting anywhere? I, I mean... You know, there's all kind of do-good groups in our society. There's, there's, there, there's every kind of cause that there is. You know, I, I saw this morning in the paper, now the veterinarians are turning against each other over animal rights. It, it's just like, it just goes on and on and on and on. There's always somebody trying to do good, and then somebody who's slamming them saying, we're doing gooder. 
But the trouble is they're also filled with hate that the, the society is fragmenting itself. And oftentimes church becomes just as bad as that. The people get together in church and blackball everybody else in society. Hey, we're supposed to be about loving everybody. You know, the fact that, that, that we got a group of people that are going once a month to Chinatown and praying with prostitutes on the sidewalk, to me, is, is one of the best things that you could say about this church. It's love. It's faith working through love. That's what the Bible says. It uses those words. It's faith working through love. I sense God wants me to do something. And in, in faith, I, I reach out in love and I touch somebody else's life and it makes a difference. And if the, if the Holy Spirit isn't in, a, in this thing, then, then this thing is just nonsense. Okay, now look at Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to talk to you a little bit about being filled with the Spirit and we'll get out of here. We're going to be in the middle of chapter 5, uh, verse 15. It's talking to us about how to be filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you there's several ways of being filled with the Spirit. One is by reading the Word of God. Another is by prayer. Another is Christian fellowship, hanging out with brothers and sisters. Another way to be filled with the Spirit is to get involved serving God. Some, you know, we talked two weeks ago about the, the things that we do count. You know, that, that, that I, was, I told you the story of my friend who, when he was 14 years old, stumbled into our church, a little Jewish kid. And, and did not accept the Lord, but somehow had an affinity for me as a pastor that stuck. Years later, he had accepted the Lord. I spoke at the college where he attended. Again, he marked out that guy Ralph Moore as a good guy. Now, today, we're great friends. I was with him this week. He's going through terrible times in his life. His wife is very sick, dying of cancer. It's real difficult things. But I'm talking to a man who says, I'm dedicating my life and my wealth to serve the Lord. I, I want to create a foundation. He's, 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 he's made it. And he goes, I, what I want to do is I, I, want to, I want to have one third of the money to live on, one third of the money to support what we're going to do, and one third of the money to invest in others. And he lights up like a Christmas tree when he talks about this stuff. He just goes off. Well, there's a guy that's found something that God has for him to do as much as there's a bunch of people over there right now that are teaching little children that are faithfully showing up here every week, a half hour before Sunday school, and they're in there doing their thing. And as they're doing the thing that God called them to do, they're being filled with the Spirit in the process of doing it. Whatever it is, whether it's the way you treat your employees at work or whatever, as you're doing the things that the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, you're going to be filled with the Spirit. But notice what this says. Verse 15. Be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days, okay? Don't be stupid. Act like a wise person. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good because the days are dark. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't just run off and do stuff. Try to figure out what's God saying to me. In other words, develop a sensitivity to the Spirit. That's what this is driving toward. Then it says, verse 18, don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Well, that's true, everything that it says, but that's not really an accurate translation. It literally says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. So it's not speaking against drunkenness, except as a subset of an overall thing called excess. What's excess? Well, Spending all the money in the family on that boat so you can go fishing and your kids go to school without its sufficient school supplies. Going surfing so much that it puts a strain on your relationship with your wife. 
That's excess. Getting drunk is excess. Laying on the couch watching TV and not mowing the lawn is excess. You know, one of our pastors came to us and, and, the, and the great sin in his life was ESPN. He's absolutely avoiding his family because all he was doing was watching sports on television. That's excess. So it says, don't get into excess in terms of wine. Instead, let, it literally says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the antidote to excess of every kind. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get into the joy of the Lord and the, and the kick that you get out of uh, having an intimate relationship with God, nothing else in the world measures up to it. You know, I can, I can, I can introduce you to guys in our church that, that were into greed and now are into Jesus. And they're generous people. I, there's one man that I know that would knock your head off as well as look at you. And now he's one of the most gentle people that I know. And he's always, he's always picking up all kinds of stray people and their, their lives are really a ruin in, in his business. And he runs little Bible studies in his business. Now he's sort of been known to strong-arm people and say, you will sit here in this study. But <laughs> once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it does, nothing else stands up to it. Okay, now how do you get filled with the Spirit? In this text, it tells us one way. And, and one of the ways. It says... Let the Spirit fill and control you. Then you will sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you'll always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And further, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that's okay translation, but here's a better translation. It says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Instead, be being filled with the Spirit. How? Singing to yourselves, to each other, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, joyously making melody in your hearts to the Lord, and submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. Worship. Coming to the Lord in worship. Singing songs of praise. If I don't make it in here, you know, I used to get in the habit of standing at the back door greeting everybody, and I'd never come to worship. And I found, especially I'm kind of left-brained, I dry up spiritually. And so I started making, I'm going to be in here worshiping at least one service a weekend. Now I try to, every service that I'm here, I try to be in here for worship. I don't always make it. But what happens is, some of that extremely logical, put everything in boxes, breaks down as I'm singing praises to the Lord. Because for one thing, the songs make me think of things that God has done in my past, and it breaks my paradigm, and it gets me... To, to go, well, if God did that, he could do, he could deal with this problem I got this week. And it opens me up to the spirit as I'm singing these songs to the Lord. And, there, and there's something that happens deep inside of my soul that I need to have happen. Am I making sense? It's one of the ways of being built, filled with the spirit. God wants to live in us through his Holy Spirit. We need to do the things, get in the word, obey the things that we think God's telling us to do, sing praises, whatever. And then it gives us this other little clue, submit to one another in love. It goes off and talks about how that works in a marriage, how both people have to give, you know. The problem about marriage today is we're, we're, we're dividing everything all the time. This is mine, that's yours. Well, that's, you're on the path to divorce. When, when a marriage is a 100% 100%, 100 proposition, we both give everything. And then we're, we're looking real good. 
submit to one another in love. But what were we doing? Opening up the spirit. Let the spirit lead. Let the spirit. Let's let's move out of the the, the materialistic religious goings on of church, and get into the business of being family together, being the house that the Lord built. Understanding that that we need little shepherding groups that are called churches that aren't, you know, five hundred people in a room. It's three, four, five people. It's, it's that we're getting together and we're experiencing and we're living out the things that God has for us to live out. Am I making sense? Well, I talked way too long. And I don't know how many in this. Let's pray real fast here. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you that we are the house that Jesus built. And Lord, that, that is just simply transferring our allegiance to you. We become babies in Christ and we get to grow up in you and that our life starts to, to, to take on uh, the, the overlay of the supernatural as you begin to move into our lives and your spirit begins to move upon our souls and speak to us, Lord. God, help us to learn to, to get equipped to do the works of God. Lord, we may stumble, bumble, we may strike out a few times, but Lord, we know we'll be hitting home runs if we walk with you in your spirit. Lord, do your stuff in us. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 